All right, good morning, everybody. How are you? All except for the fact that it's not morning. Joke's on you. No, I just actually said morning. Well, good afternoon. How are you? Wait, is it still morning? It is 1130, isn't it? All right, 1135, Well, good morning to you. My name's Jeff, and I don't have a clue when it is, obviously. But if you're a guest this morning, I'm really glad you're here. We're in part two of a series that we are just really learning from and growing from, and I'm really excited about it. And I just want to say that uh, we got a lot of emotion running through the crowd today, and so because of that, we're going to be offering two things especially today. We're going to be offering a party for all the UGA fans afterwards, and we're going to be offering a one-year free subscription of counseling for all of the Auburn fans, okay? One-year free. uh, It will help you to grieve and work through your struggles and difficulties and pain. Any any, uh, Georgia fans, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it always feels good to win, doesn't it? How, how many guys uh, admit you're an uh, um, Auburn fan? Anybody? All right, yeah, come on. Yes, I know it hurts. Any, uh, any Roll Tide people here in Alabama fans? Wow, anybody uh, of the other persuasion? Um, Mississippi people, state, come on, anybody? All right, hey, I know it's some crazy stuff going out there in the football world, so uh, I'm tracking with you. I'm fired up with you. My team won yesterday. Come on, big win over Miami, Florida State. Come on. Anybody? Anybody? Wow. I got no love. No love. No love whatsoever. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun today. I'm very excited about where we are in this series. Before I get too far into a conversation, I want to bring up a very special guest one of our very, very own, this is Miss Whitley Grimes. Give Whitley a hand. This is Whitley Grimes, and she is a graduated CSU lady cougar. And uh, this young lady is about to do something crazy. It fits right into what we're talking about in our series called, do you know the name of our series? Being Rich. Being Rich. You know what she's doing? She's going and being rich. She's not entering in to the next stage of her life, which is going to be a doctor one day. She's going to jump right in and head to Africa for a whole year and do something really, really awesome. She's going to use her stuff, her resources, her money, and everybody else's money because we need to raise some. And she's going to be serving God and do some awesome stuff. Tell us where you're going, Whitney. Uh, Whitley. You want to use this now? Um, I'm going to Nairobi, Kenya for a whole year. Um, I'll be working at a church there called Karen, as in the lady's name, Free Methodist Church. And I'll be developing their children's ministry, focusing on children's small groups, um, giving these kids as young as the age of four who are orphaned in street gangs, um, even addicted to drugs, somewhere that's a safe environment for them where they can learn and grow in their walk with Christ. Um, they can learn about grace and trust and accountability. Um, so that's what I'll be doing for a whole year. So we are proud of you. We're proud of this young lady. She is one of our own, and I want you guys to know how to keep up with her. I really want you guys to keep up with her. Up there are two web addresses. One is her blog, and one is where you guys can actually go and help partner with what she's doing and keep up with what she's doing. I, I know this young lady. We started talking about this a year ago, and she was wrestling through with all sorts of tension and all sort of people who said, you shouldn't go, you shouldn't go, you shouldn't go, but I'm telling you what, she, she really allowed God to lead her heart, and everybody who was, anybody who was speaking truth into her life and influencing her all wrapped around this idea that this young lady needs to do this. We're fired up for her. We want to bless you. We want to support you. We want to love you. So you guys, be praying for her, okay? I want to pray for her real quick, and I want you guys to keep track of her. God, we pray for Whitley, and ask God that you would use her in a powerful way. 
God, I pray that you would, you would use our church to bless her. God, you would use uh, ladies like her all across the globe here, even in our own city, God, to, to help your name become famous. God, I pray for all those, all those people, God, that she'll come in contact with. I pray that they would see your love in her, and they would find, um, God, they would find you. They would find you, and they would find forever. They would find eternity because of being connected to Whitney. Whitley, God, we ask you to bless her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Give her a hand. You're awesome. We love you. All right. I want to do a real quick recap from last week. How many guys remembered the good news from last week? What's the good news? What? I can't hear you. The good news is we are rich. How many of you guys actually believe that now? So you guys are like, I'm not quite sure. All right, if you forgot last week, we said that if you were some of the few, if you made $30,000 or more a year, you're within the 1% of people who are the top income earners in our world. And we said last week, if you were like the filthy rich, like you sweat money, if you just like, you sweat and all of a sudden dollar bills fall out, if you make $80,000 combined household income, you are in the top 0.1% of top money earners in the world. How many of you guys would say you're rich, right? I'm telling you, we're, we, we, we unpacked this conversation last week and, and we just learned that we are more blessed than we actually ever know. Let me just say this. If you're one of those rich people and you drive through the drive-thru and you have those rich people problems that you get to drive through the drive-thru and you order your hamburger and it came with pickles and you didn't want pickles, you're one of those rich people. You're one of those rich people. If you're one of those people who got you like one of those iPhones and you go home and you are like in God's room on the throne doing business on your cell phone and your reception's bad as you're doing business, you're trying to take care of business and it's not working, you're one of those rich people. And I'm just telling you, today we're going to unpack some stuff that I think might, for the better part of us, really help us to know what it's like to experience God on a whole nother level. I want to tell you this morning that there is good news, we're rich, but also like last, last week we learned, the bad news is we're rich. And the struggle with being rich is that being rich is also our greatest distraction from connecting and really getting to know God. Because money constantly wants to be on the throne of our lives. We learned last week that it's easier to put our hope in our wealth. It's far easier to do that than putting our hope in Christ. It's, it's a major distraction. Being wealthy is, 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 is both great and it is, is really, really bad. We learned last week that wealth can distract us from our priorities. Wealth can do that. It can, it can cause us to lose our way and get focused on things that aren't that important. We learned last week that when we are rich, so comes a tremendous responsibility. And so we started this series last week called Being Rich in What Matters Most. I want to give uh, credit here to uh, our friend Andy Stanley, who's a phenomenal pastor, phenomenal author. If you have not ordered this book, you need to get this book. I'm telling you, this is a conversation that, that, is, that is so vital to every aspect of your life. Money touches everything, does it not? How many of you guys have had a good day and a bad day based on what your checking account looked like that afternoon or your savings account? Let's just be honest. Come on, raise your hand. Good day or bad day based on, on finances? Yeah, all of us. Why is that the case? Well, it is the case because, because money oftentimes 
wants us to serve it. Now, how many of you guys have ever, ever uh, darkened the doors of a Chuck E. Cheese restaurant? He's good. Did anybody go there for the pizza? Anybody? Come on, we all know Chuck E. Cheese pizza is terrible. You guys go to Chuck E. Cheese because you are out to win the infamous tickets, right? Guys, who, how many of you guys know what this is right here? How many of you have ever gone to Chuck E. Cheese and you're like, I will dominate some skee-ball, right? How many of you parents, your kid was skee-balling it and you were like, dude, you were not winning the ticket tickets and you shoved him out of the way and you said, let me show you how. I have done that every time we've ever gone. I, I, I get completely addicted when I'm there. I, 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 all I can think about is the prize at the end. I'm going to win 1,000 tickets every time I go, or if I don't, I'm staying all day because, because I'm going I'm to win the prize, right? Do you ever feel that way? How many of you guys realize when you guys walk up with your, like, you know, 730-some tickets, you walk up and you walk out with one of these. It's crazy. You walk out, you're like, I've got this awesome 744 tickets, and you walk out with, like, like this little, like, like, I can't even do it. i got to go righty on this thing. All right, practice this. I'll practice this last hour. Watch. Wait a second. I can get this. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, no, I just had it. I had it earlier. All right, forget it. Here, who wants this? Who wants it? There you go. It's for you. This is a prize. It's a gift that keeps giving. I mean, I'm telling you, this, this, I promise, that this is a prize that will make you happy. All right? This will bring you lots of joy. Here you go. Can you catch? I don't want to hit these people. This guy up here looks dainty. All right, here we go. Here we go. Nice catch. Give her a hand. All right. So here's the deal. When we're kids, when we're kids, we go for these tickets. But when we become adults, we work for these tickets. How many of you guys know what this is? I got a stack of ones. Here we go. Just kidding, these are mine. Sorry. Sorry, I, I put this really cool little thing that, like, holds your money in there. It's not as cool as a money clip, but it's a paper clip. Literally, it's paper holding my money together. So how do you guys realize that, that money has this way, such as going to Chuck E. Cheese is winning those tickets, that these tickets, these tickets promise more than they can deliver. These tickets promise far more than they can ever deliver on. These tickets promise all types of security, all types of hope. They promise happiness. And just like going and winning that little prize that I couldn't even get the hang of, oftentimes we think our stuff is going to bring us that sort of promise, those sort of results. This morning I want us to walk away grasping that the world wants you to serve money. How do I know this? I want to show you this scripture this morning. Matthew six twenty four. Jesus' words. Jesus, let me just tell you this. Jesus talked about our stuff. He talked about money more than anything else in the Bible. More than faith. More than he talked about himself, Jesus talked about our stuff. Because money has the capacity to rule us, to dominate us, to be number one in our lives. Here's Jesus' words. He said, no man can serve two masters. Right? Nobody can serve two things at the same time. Just like this Audience is split in half by this aisle. Nobody can serve two masters. We can only choose one or the other. It says either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Did I say mummy just then? Mummy? You can't serve mummies either, but you, can't, you, you can serve money. So I love this verse because 
I'm telling you, it is the thing that probably works the hardest against my spiritual walk with Christ. It's the thing that probably can lead me astray the most in my life. It's the love for stuff. The promise that if I have more of these, if this was $1,000 bills right now, I would feel so much what happier. But what would happen if I had 1,000 of these little dollar bills right now? I'd get excited for a moment, but then I'd remember, but I could have more. I could be happier. These promise something they just can't not deliver on. And, and Jesus talks about this, that, that, that money has the capacity to lead us straight and try to be on the throne in charge of leading us in our life. And Jesus says you can't allow that to happen, but it has the capacity to lead us that direction. Money is something that, that is not a bad thing in and of itself, but it can be something that leads our hearts astray. So he talks about this. It says, no one can serve both. You're going to serve one or the other. You cannot serve God and money. Notice he didn't say God, serve you know, God and popularity or God and power. He speaks specifically of money. Why money? Why is money the thing that could pull us astray? Because money is like the most attractive false god. Money is the most like incredibly attractive false god. Money is the number one, get this, money is the number one, second to nothing. Money is the number one competitor for our hearts. Money stands in the way of you really knowing God and really not going, knowing God. Y- y- y'all tracking with me this morning? This is huge. This is huge. This is huge in my wife and I's life. This is huge in our church's life. This is huge in every person that sits here this morning's life. This whole idea of our stuff dominating our hearts and promising more than it can deliver to us. Here's the deal. Money promises what only God can provide. Let me say that again. Money promises money promises what only God can provide. It promises two things. It promises happiness. Money is always promising happiness and money is always promising security. Money's promising happiness. If you if you had a little bit more, I'd be happier. If I just had a little bit more, I'd be happier. But how much is enough? How much is enough? Just a little bit more, right? Money promises happiness. Money also promises security. We say things like, if I got all my debt paid off, I would be more secure, right? But you get it all paid off, and guess what happens? Stock market crashes. Your car goes bad. I mean, money promises more than it can deliver. If I made double what I make right now, then I'd feel more secure. All you have to do is make a bunch of money and all of a sudden have someone who you love dearly get very, very sick to find out money can't solve everything. Only, only Jesus himself can solve life's biggest problems. So money is those thing, that thing that wants to be number one in our life. So here's what Timothy and Paul, the Apostle Paul, passing down information to his young protege, Timothy, pass on to us to say, how do we help with this? What do we do? How do we solve this? Here's what Timothy says to us in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. It says, command those 
who are rich in this present world, which would be us, which would be a command those who are rich in this present world, because again, I think there's, there's, there's plenty of us pushing back saying, but I don't feel rich. I know you're saying I'm rich. I know the whole 30,000 thing and the 80,000 thing, but I don't feel rich. I don't feel rich. Scripture says we are rich. And I know, let me just state this, because I, I know there are some of you here this morning that walked in, and you're under a, a mountain load, potentially, of, of like doctor bills or some medical struggles right now. Maybe some of you walked in this morning and you're, you're a single mom or you're a widow and you're, you're frantically trying to make ends meet. I, I, I just want you to know I, I understand that. But I want to I speak to the, to the bulk of us this morning and help us to grasp we really, really are rich. We, we have rich people problems. I, I, bought, I bought an iPhone. I got the newest, biggest iPhone. And I have a case on it. But before I got the case on it, I cracked it. Right? Three days. Can you see the crack? Can you see it? I don't know if you can see it in lights. Three days after, I'm like, I got a new iPhone. I was feeling so good, so high. Like, boom, I got me the new hottest phone. And I, I got, like, the, the, the writing as large as I can see on it now. Feeling old. I'm like, went super plus size. Feeling all awesome. Dropped this thing, and I'm like, now I feel bad. I was happy, and now I'm not. And it has that power over us. Timothy says this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in what? Hope in wealth. It's what we do. We constantly put our hope in wealth. We may not say we do. We may not always be cognizant that we are, but God knew something in advance. That's why he spoke so much about money. Timothy speaks of it here, and he says, let's not put our hope in our wealth, which is so uncertain, right? Money can come, money can go, life can happen, and we can be up and down, up and down based on what happens financially in the world. But don't put your hope in it, which is so uncertain, but to put our hope in what? Put our hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our what? For our enjoyment. We talked about this last week. God's not a God who's, who's like trying to strip us of all of our stuff so we're unhappy. No, God's like, hey, I want to richly bless you. And I really believe with all my heart, God wants to bless those who are blessing others. And I would just say if we had a bunch of buckets on stage right now, and we had small buckets to large buckets, and some people were small bucket folks, I don't have a whole lot, but I give and I serve and I take my stuff. I think God wants to fill people's buckets up. And there's people in, that have huge capacity in here, have monstrous buckets, that when you give and you serve, I believe with all my heart, God's saying, I want to fill your bucket back up so you can continue to be rich and be good at being rich. So scripture says that God wants to bless us for our even enjoyment, but to command those to do good, to be rich in good deeds. See, God wants us to be rich and be good at doing it. He wants us to be good at being rich and and blessing others and serving others and using our stuff in such a way that there's more of it that like, you know, goes and we share than we take for ourselves because we, if we're the person that is constantly taking all of our stuff and just serving ourselves, I'm telling you, we will walk through life and we will grow further apart from the people who love us and be grumpier and sadder and also further away from being connected to God. Money 
has that kind of power. So Timothy speaks of this and says, don't let money rule your life. Don't let stuff have control over you. Why don't you control it and use it for something other than just serving yourselves? I'm telling you, I've, I've run across many, many people in my lifetime that were people who served themselves with every last dollar that they had. And I can promise you this, they are always the grumpiest, saddest, alone people that I know. And I can tell you that they're the people that I run across in life that are open-handed and generous are always the people who are most happy in life. This is the power money has over us. So what I want you to know this morning is people who love and trust in their money are oftentimes people who never have enough. People who really love their money and love their stuff are people who never have enough. Um, we, worked on a, uh, we worked on a little statement last week. We said this. We said that God has blessed me with more than I need. And God has. God has blessed us with more than I need. We're rich. I want you to say that with me real, real quick. I want us to get that, this in our heads. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. Say it one more time real loud. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. We are rich. I want to tack on to that this week. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich, and I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Here's the deal. People who really, really are in love with their stuff, and maybe that's you this morning, and maybe you might put yourself in that category, or maybe you are coming to the grips that maybe, maybe I do love my stuff. I'm telling you, if we can't, if we can't get to a place where we start breaking that grip of what money can do in our hearts, you'll be the person that never has enough. You'll always be trekking and striving for more. And if you're always that person striving for more, you'll never, ever, ever, ever feel like you have enough. And it's something that I tell you what, it's one of the most difficult things I think that we face in our society today. We are a world... We are a world that is very, very entitled. And when you look across the globe at people who have much, much less than us, we run across people that have nothing on a financial, you know, in, in, in financial terms, but they have everything as it comes to joy and peace and happiness because they are trusting oftentimes so much more in God than they are trying to lean on their own stuff. So I want to give you these this morning, three things. You may put yourself in them. People who love and trust in their money never have enough. Ecclesiastes 6 or 5.10 says this. Whoever loves money, check this out. It's another, another verse on our stuff. Whoever loves money never has enough. If you've ever bought something that you didn't need, if you ever bought something that you didn't need with money that you really didn't have, trying to impress somebody who really doesn't even care, you're one of those people. Anybody like that this morning? You bought something that you didn't need? I can tell you, we needed a dining room table my first year of marriage. We did not need a four-wheeler, but that's what we got. I'm in that camp. I'm in that camp. If you've ever done something like that, you could be one of those who loves money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. No matter how big your stack 
no matter how big stack your stack gets, if you love money, it'll never be enough. You'll always be chasing. Proverbs 18.11 says this, the rich, that's us, the rich think of their wealth, and that's all of us, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. You know what money is? Money is the ultimate illusion. We feel like if I got more of this, I'm safe. If I have more of this, things are going to be okay, right? I mean, I'm telling you, that's, that's how we're hardwired. It's in us. That's why, that's why from day one, the God who created us said, I'm going to put in the Bible the help and the remedy because all human beings are all going to gravitate to serving themselves and just accumulating and trying to serve themselves for their entire lifetime. So Proverbs speaks to this, that we've got to be cautious with this. People who love and trust in money, number two, find it increasingly difficult to give big. Let me just say this. Many of you here, I know many, many, many of you, you'd love to give big. You'd love to give big. You'd love to, you'd love to do what the Bible talks about and, and like be a part of like being very generous with the church even. Many of you here would love to give what the Bible says and talks about this 10%, like, you know, we got $100, give 10 of those to God, and really all of it belongs to him anyways. But I know many of you would love to be generous. You'd love to be generous. But you don't feel like you can. You don't feel like you can because you feel like you don't have enough, right? Those of us that want to be generous and aren't being generous, the reason we aren't being generous is because we feel like we don't have enough. It's this, it's this vicious cycle that goes on and on and on and on. And over a lifetime, it could mean, it could mean that you would be ending up serving money rather than it serving you. For many of us, that could be the, the thing that separates you with this awesome, awesome, growing relationship with God and being great at being a big giver. I'm just telling you, I know so many people who want to give big. I have people come to me all the time and they say, Pastor, I want to be generous, but I just can't. And I'm telling you, it always comes back to, I don't feel like I have enough. I just don't feel like I'm rich. I don't feel like I can because I don't have enough. See, we've got to get to the place that we already are rich. God has richly blessed us. We have rich people problems. If you drive home today, you're You're rich. If you, if you have a cell phone, and like we said last week, order pizza on the way home, and it's delivered to your house, and it has pepperoni, and Papa delivered it, you have rich people problems. See, we are blessed. We are rich. The richer you are, the more difficult it is to give big. And what's crazy is, here's what's crazy. The wealthier the people are, on average, get this, the smaller percent that they give. Do you know what the largest, the largest percentage of people that give the largest percent are? People who make $12,000 or less every year give more money by percentage than people who are ridiculously wealthy. Is that not crazy? How is that being good at being rich? This is case in point that the richer we are, the further it could stand between us and a relationship with God. The further it could push you away from really experiencing all that God wants you to experience. 
I believe with all my heart, this is for most of us the thing that right now you're saying is not me, that is you, that we got to get figured out. I'm just saying this morning, could it be you this morning that this is what God wants you to wrestle with today or this week? And start, start getting to a place where you're saying, God, you know what? I'm going to commit. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to start working in this area because I don't want my heart to follow my stuff. I want it to follow you. The more stuff we have, the more we find it increasingly difficult to give big. Second Corinthians speaks of this. Chapter 8, verse 2, it says, In the midst of a very severe travel, trial, their overflowing joy. These are people who were part of the, the early church. They, they, they were a part of, of helping their church help people find their way back to God, just like ours. And God said, hey, what's going to change the world is me working through the church. And here's these people in this early church, and they're in the midst of a very severe trial. And it says out of that trial, out of that struggle, somehow they got some stuff figured out. And their joy and their extreme poverty welled up in, this is crazy, in rich generosity. Which is not probably what happens in these days, right? But because of those struggles, the, the joy that came and the extreme poverty they have, it, it welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Here's what's crazy. Jesus told this parable, a story about this, this woman who was very poor. She was a, a widow. She was alone by herself, had very little. And one day she shows up to church and she drops in two coins, like two cents, like a very small amount. But for her, percentage-wise, it was, Scripture says, it was all she had. So this woman shows up. She gives all, he, all she has. People in the background, they watch. They see this woman. I can't believe she's showing up to God's church. And she's like giving nothing. And all these, you know, leaders were watching. People were watching. And they were mocking her. And Jesus was like, wait, wait, wait a second now. She gave more than all of you percentage-wise. See, I think God cares more about percentage and people's hearts than amounts. Why? Because it, it, it's, it's what... It's what it's where our hearts are at. Scripture says our hearts always follow our stuff. Jesus wants our hearts following him. So he's like, hey, I got great ways. Let's finance, let's finance what God's doing in the world. Let's be generous. Let's go serve people. Let's take our stuff and not use it all for ourselves but for other people. If you will do that, you will follow me rather than letting money lead you. And so here we learn in 2 Corinthians that these people gave all that they could. Jesus spoke about that with that, that woman. Now, I have, um, I've got a, a, just an amazing person that we feel like um, if it were not for Bill Lemke, our church would not be here. Bill Lemke was a guy that my wife and I met about a year prior to my church starting. So like back in 2007, Bill Lemke was a guy then in his mid-80s, and we somehow came across this guy. Someone introduced us to him. We sat down with him, told him what we were doing. We are raising money to start a church, and we're like, hey, we need all the help we can get. We quit our jobs. We want to do this great thing in Columbus. We want a church that, like, reaches people far from God, helps 
people, you know, really get connected, and we want a church that's, you know, authentic and transparent, and like, you know, we're just explaining this to him, and he's like, listen, if people come to Christ, I'll always give to your church. You kidding me? Awesome, thanks. We go home, weeks go by, years go by. This guy, Bill Lemke, supported our church long after it started, and it's been helping our church for several years now. Bill Lemke is a guy that lives in a 1,500-square-foot cinder block house in Atlanta and supports not only his own church in Atlanta, but has been giving our church $2,000 a month. Now, I don't know what percentage that is, but we've sat down with Bill Lemke several times, and we're like, Mr. Bill, why do you, why do you, give, to, why do you give to our church? Why do, you, why do you do this? He's like, because I can't, I can't outgive God. Well, Mr. Lemke, we're, we, we, we understand that you have been given to our church. You know, we've, we've, beyond, we've already we've got started now. I mean, it's happening. Things are already are going. If you need to pull back, if you need, he's like, no. I want to continue to trust God with my stuff. Bill Lemke is one of these guys that we found out supports hundreds of ministries. Hundreds of ministries. And serves God and blesses people all over and I can tell you this much, he's the happiest guy I've ever met in my life. Happiest guy I've ever met in my life. I remember showing up at his house thinking, man, he's giving our church $2,000 a month. We got to use that to buy him some furniture. He needs some help, right? But this guy, this guy is unbelievable. And that's one picture. Let me tell you something crazy. This last week, I was thinking about Bill Lemke and um, telling my wife I wanted to talk about him this week. We don't always talk about him. Um, in that moment, I call my wife. She says, hey, have you, are you going to pick Allie up? That's my oldest daughter. And I said, oh, I forgot. I was on my way back home getting ready to ride by the church property. So I did a, a U-turn in the church property, rode around the, the, the house. Have you guys have seen the little house on the property, the church's house out there? Beautiful little house. And I noticed one of the windows was open. And I thought, oh, I think the students played a game Sunday night, like some kind of like, I don't know, hide and go seek in the house or something. And I bet you a kid, probably like me, opened the window, jumped out of the back, ran around the front just to try to win it all, right? So I'm going to go in and I'll shut the window, shut that window. So I go inside. I don't even notice in the hallway, the one main hallway, is a dishwasher. So I walk in, past the dishwasher, shut the window, and I walk back by and I'm like, what's a dishwasher doing in, the, in, the, in the, like the hallway? This makes no sense. And all of a sudden I hear, shh. It's not a snake, it's water. And I look over in the kitchen, and water is spraying out where the dishwasher was, and I'm going, well, is someone trying to steal the dishwasher? <laughs> what, what is this doing? And I'm trying to call people on the phone, like, are we giving this dishwasher away? Was someone in here trying to get the dishwasher? And I'm thinking, wait, the window's open. The dishwasher's in the, in the middle of the room. Water spewing out of the kitchen. So I go over, turn, turn the water off, and I realize there's no power on in the house. And, 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 and things are like cut where the dishwasher came from. Like someone's, someone, someone's probably in this house trying to steal the dishwasher. So I'm like, back up against the wall. Now look around. I'm like, I got a gun. I did. I yelled, I got a gun. And my friend's coming up right now. You better, you know, I'm like starting to shout and act like, you know, like I'm like, all right, where's this dude at? And so I called a friend, he showed up, and we're like, search the house, I'm walking upside with my awesome cell phone, 
with my light on it. Come on, rich people problems. I go upstairs in the attic. I'm like, I'm up here. I got a gun. You better look out. Go ahead and show yourself. No one's there. The guy had cut all the power. Two pictures. We got Bill Lemke over here being ridiculously generous. Happy as he we can, we can be. We got some guy trying to rob God and steal the dadgum dishwasher from the house. So here's my question, and I just want to pose this as, as earnestly, humbly, but realistically as possible. Which one are you? God gave us everything. He wants to bless us, but which one are you? Because I feel like this, for most of us, is the conversation that leads us closer to God or further away from God. And I'm not saying you're, you're, you're you know, stealing dishwashers, but you could be robbing God. You, you, could, you could be at a place where, you know what, I exist to serve me. That's it. And maybe your spouse knows it. Maybe even your kids recognize it. I just want to say this morning. This could be the conversation that could help you take the right step. And I'm not, again, I'm not going for a big offering. This, this is not the point of this series. I mean, it's really not. We're not, we don't have a date set in four weeks from now for a big end of the year Christmas gift offering. This is the first year we're not doing that. Because I feel so certain with all my heart. I just want to teach you what God's word says, and let you wrestle with what this means for you. This year, as a church, we're going to be crazy generous. We're going to be very, very generous this year as a church. And we shouldn't be right now. I've got the bank on us saying you've got to close the year out very, very good with the loans, the new loans we've got on the church land. But we're going to be extremely generous this year. In fact, you know, we're, we're, we're about to, and I'm just going to just roll this out. We'll give you more details to come. This year, we're going to go serve Bull Creek Apartments locally here in our city. A Section 8 housing, um, you know, income area. We've been working with the, the, the lady there who's management, getting to know her. We've been picking up trash, been getting to know their, the, the families there. They need help. They need someone to love them. They need someone to say, you know what? I'm not going to serve me. Let's serve somebody else. So this year, we're, we're going to do some really crazy stuff. I'm going to tell you about what that looks like in a few weeks. But I'm just, we're, we're kind of stomping our feet on this and saying, you know what? We launched the church, and we were ridiculously generous. And God blessed our church. And can I just be very honest with you? Over time, that has become more and more and more a struggle. You know why? Because we got more stuff. We got more stuff. We're trying to build a church now. So what do we do? We're like, oh, that's kind of, we got we to gotta do a better job of keeping our stuff now. No, no, no. No, 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 we're, we're not. We didn't, we didn't start this church with the idea of giving all of our stuff to a building project. Although we're in a building project right now. But that's, that's not God's heart. So now year, in year five of this church, we're saying, no, 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 no. We want with all of our hearts to not only lead my family and my kids from becoming kids who are spoiled and entitled, but also our church. This doesn't exist for us. I mean, it does for our growth, but it exists for our growth as we are 
loving and generous beyond giving to ourselves. So scripture speaks of this. The third thing I want to give you is people who love and trust in their money have money in the bank but no peace in their hearts. (laughs) Would you agree? People can have money in the bank and no peace in your hearts. Proverbs 15, 16. And here's an eye-opener verse. Better is a little. Better, like better, this is better, feels better, is better. Better is a little with fear of the Lord than great wealth and turmoil. Would anybody agree with that? The times that I have had the most weren't always the times that I felt the best. When my wife and I were raising support to launch the church and we had no guaranteed income, we were so fired up and excited and happy and leaning on Jesus. Now, five years into this thing, we're like, hey, we got to shake things up a bit. We got to shake some stuff up. In my own family, I can't tell you how many conversations we have about kids who think parents exist to serve them <laughs> in my household. How many of you guys are parents? How many feel like we could be spoiling our kids by giving them too much, right? But let me just say this. God is not against us being blessed and having stuff. In fact, I think God is looking with hope for people that would be generous that he could bless. I think God wants to, as you deplete your bucket, God wants to replenish your bucket. I think God says, give it all away and let me show you what it's like to be able to trust into me. And so as a church, we're going to shake some stuff up. And I hope as you wrestle with this conversation that you will ask yourself the question, does money and my stuff have me or do I have it? Does money have me or do I have it? The good news, you are rich. The bad news and the greatest hindrance to our spiritual walk is our stuff. Let's pray. God, I just, I pray that you would rally people that would stand in the gap. That would be good at being generous. God, I pray that you would use this church. You would use this church to not only grow us and change us and let us experience you like never before, but God, would you help us richly bless others. God, we can't get it done apart from us getting this right. God, we can't help every man, woman, and child to find you unless we get this right. God, I pray that we would wrestle with this subject. God, I pray that you would lead people towards being generous and trusting in you. God, I pray it starts with me. God, I pray that you would prick my heart like never before. I'm scared to say that, God. But I, God, I, I beg you with all of my heart that this church will be known as a church that's good at being rich. Good at being rich. 
God, I thank you for the, the widows in this church who give big and model that. God, I thank you for those that, that, are, uh, that are going through struggles right now that are still trusting in you in the midst of their trial. God, I pray that you would open our hearts, lead us back to you, and let us experience you like never before. God, we're going to just say today, we are rich, but we're going to trust in you with our stuff. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.